about build an environment of pursuing curiosity. You know who you are, who you really are. Like <laughs> you are listening to Everyday Educators on 1921 Radio. Everyday Educators, and we educate every day. Good morning, loved ones. Welcome back. This is the Everyday Educators podcast on 1921radio.com. I'm your host, Jeremy, with the always beautiful Miss Naomi. You are far too kind. Thank you. <laughs> not and kind today, enough. <laughs> ah, that's right. Come on now. It's, it's not, it's, can't put too much sauce on that. Right. But today, we have a special guest. He is a facilitator a social impact designer, the Zen master, Black Confucius himself, <laughs> from Open Architecture Collaborative Chicago, Mr. Craig Stevenson. Can I pour a little bit of sauce on, all, <laughs> on both of you all first? Congratulations for your first season of Edu-Day Edu- Educators. You know, um, it's hard to get stuff off the ground, so I'm proud of y'all. Y'all inspire me by moving forward. I love how your team work is rocking, working across states. And knowing that, um, I'll just speak this in existence, knowing that you all are going to have like major impact uh, around the world in the field of education and beyond. So I'm just glad to be a part of the seed, the embryo, before it you know, flourishes. So thanks, y'all, for having me. <laughs> You see what I mean? That black, was beautiful. Black Confucius already. So you see, you know, he saw that Chris got on the intro, so he won. He won his spot. So we got to re, we got to redo it. Oh, Chris got on the <laughs> intro. Well, you yeah. had some of my favorite people on here. You had Carmen mm-hmm. Mahone, who affectionately calls me Morpheus. So you had you had Carmen on there, and you had uh, Toriano on there, Mister Granger himself uh, mm-hmm. of the Granger clan. <laughs> out here doing, uh, you know, their impact in various ways. And so I'm sure I'm glad to be a part of such a great community of educators. Hey, man, it's just family. We just doing it together. Um, Well, you know what? We just going to get started. All right. All right, Craig, I don't need you to hate on this. All right. I don't need you to hate. No, Sometimes don't hate. I do. I will. I'm, I'm going to stay, I'm gonna stay oh. in a positive direction. Okay. All right. So at the time of this recording, Equalizer 3 just came out. <laughs> See, he already, he already. So do you all plan on seeing it? Anybody? Yes. Plan on seeing it? Yes. I love the first two. The second one is my favorite. Um, I rewatch it often. So I'm very excited about the third. You reminded me. I had totally forgot. Now I need to go to the movies. I'm a big Denzel fan. You know, back into his glory, glory, Pelican brief all the way up. Now, glad to see that the second generation is young. His young. What's his son's name, man? I don't mean to play. I don't want to call John him David. Denzel. John David. John, John David, David, right? You know, hey, y'all, For the, I'm bad with names, so I will do that. <laughs> Often as names, but I'm I'm great. I'm gonna watch it. Okay, <laughs> I won't be watching. You know, stop. See, stop. see, stop. see. I had to come stop. to hate. I had so, to stop. But are you gonna talk about the TV show? I was about to t- watch the <laughs> TV love show. It. Well, nay, that's one of us. Uh, no, I'm growing to love. No, it. No, two of us. Two of us. You that's know, I love that show. Us. That's two of us, right? I'm growing to love it. It's hard, you know, when you come with the equalizer and they got all the red rum. 
on the big screen and you come and then they got to just slow it down a little bit for TV. That was that was a very polite way to say say that. I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that. But <laughs> see, I like them because they're like street level superheroes, right? right. So the question is, if you all had to pick a superpower, what would it be? Or you can just talk about like your favorite superhero whose powers you would want to copy. So, Craig, we've had this conversation many times in oh, different you know, iterations. I'm a big comic book fan. As soon as you started saying street level superhero, I immediately th- talked, uh, you know, thought about Power Man and the Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, on, because, because uh, yeah, Luke Cage, for all of you all who don't know, the 70s version of Power Man, you know, running around with the steel and the open yellow shirt. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead for this intensive purpose because I'm gonna probably reveal more of the superpowers as we go on. But I'm just gonna start off with uh, Iron Fist, you know, Master of Life Force, Chi, all that other stuff, you know. I'll leave mm-hmm. it there. That's on brand. On brand. What about you, Nay? I don't know because I'm not into stuff like that. The only thing that I can say is like, I like action movies, for example the equalizer like it's interesting when you watch movies and people can fight and they like know they can fight and it's like this is not what you want to do and then they like beat people up and it's like dang I wish I could do that but then I realized like what you have to go through to be able to have that level of skill I would never be interested in doing (laughs) so I just watch it on TV like I really like um Michael Jai White Mm mm-hmm like he, Black Dynamite, yeah, original Spawn. Like, <laughs> okay, one of the two. <laughs> apparently, like fight or martial arts is like one of his like serious hobbies, and so movies that he's produced and stuff, he has worked that into his scripts, and it's just cool to watch. But I'm not interested. You know, I would love to see the kung fu version of Tyler Perry when he plays his role in the Tyler Perry films. Wow. But with Kung Fu, that that'd be dope. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler um, Perry, Kung Fu and Wigs. And Wigs. That'd and be the wigs. that'd be the title. Be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm going to highlight Brother Adam Brashear, the Blue Marvel. Okay. Um he went to Cornell University. He was a Marine. He was the first black superhero in the like Marvel, Marvel timeline, right? Um, for those of you who don't know, he got the the uh, what was it the uh, Medal of, of Honor or Freedom or one of those from President Kennedy. John F. Kennedy gave it to him, mm-hmm. and then when they found out he was black, they told him the world wasn't ready for a black superhero, so he left Earth. Um, but he has a genius level intellect. He's one of the smartest people, you know, in the Marvel universe. Up there with Reed Richards and Iron Man mm-hmm. and Black Panther, who also heart, yeah. That's um, but he has uh energy manipulation, antimatter, dope brother, dope brother. He got like a little, almost like a little, somewhere between. The Boosie Fade and like a Wesley Snipes early 90s like Fade with the parts on the side. Real Bell Biv DeVoe-ish. 
yeah, black, black, black Superman. He is black Superman. He is yep. black Superman. Before DC is black Superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Before yeah. before he came out. So yeah. you know. All right. So Craig, if you don't know, uh we kind of start off with the section called actual factual. And we just talk about some things in the news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of surrounding the broader area of education. Okay. And so um, you know, for for all of us God-fearing folks out there, uh, we have our first story that comes from the Harvard Gazette. So Sister Marla Frederick was named the new Dean of the Harvard School of Divinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's coming from Emory University where she taught religion and African-American studies. Mm-hmm. Um, she served as the president of the American Academy of Religion in 2021 and has been the president of the Association of Black Anthropologists. No question here. Um, I just wanted to highlight. I saw that. I think my pastor uh, posted on LinkedIn and I was like, oh, man, that's dope, you know, to have a black female um, leading the School of Divinity you know, when many, when many folks go to, to, uh, study. So, well, you know, that's my origin point, black female spiritual leader, head of, head of a spiritual institution, a mystery school. I affectionately call, well, legally it's called Christ universal temple on 119th in Chicago. But, um, what I always called it, I grew up in it. I was like, Oh, this is like the Jedi Hogwarts school. Right. Um, and I think it's something different. We know we can we're gonna probably get into education, but I do like the fact that I start you you call me the Zen master. It's it's ingrained, it's embodied that the core or the original education that I had was always about my spiritual identity, right? Mm-hmm. And um for the Harvard School um to have selected a woman in in that role, you know, um and then, you know, you can get into the gen- other gender identities in the future. I hope so, um, because too often I think that we get pigeonholed by uh, cultural norms in terms of, of leadership and education and those sort of things. Um, so I'm, gra- I'm grateful for Harvard for being making that bold move in that institution, you know. Couldn't say it better myself. Couldn't say it better myself. So before we get into our second story, I have a question. Have either one of you had the chance to skip a grade? Nope. I'm not, no, I never skipped a grade. Oh, would you have liked to if you if you had the opportunity? Uh, for the audience, I don't know if you all know, I have an identical twin brother, Corey Stevenson. So I would have rather that that particular time, not if we both couldn't skip a grade. And perhaps, you know, in my elementary school years, he probably could have skip the grade right i don't know if i worked as hard <laughs> oh you know, going back to that equalizer phrase of preparing to be the best uh that has developed a little bit later in life mm. you know twice i had the opportunity to skip and um twice they said no because of my behavior mm-hmm. i was bored and then I was like talking to my friends. Luckily, I grew out of that 
Nay. Did you? Did you? I don't think you did. Of going out of talking to people. Around. I, I have it. I have it. I have it. But um, you know, things would have would have been different had I skipped. I think it was the first time I had the opportunity to skip two grades. Um, and then the second time, um, one grade, but didn't happen. So our next story comes from Miss Shanique Yates via Afrotech.com, and she wrote a piece on Miss Janaya Baker, who last year uh, started high school in Miami as a freshman and will begin this year as a senior in high school. Now, it doesn't explicitly detail how she skipped three grade levels in a year, um, but she does have the highest GPA in her school. Um, she intends to go to Florida International University and study business upon graduation. So my question to you guys is, do you think that high school students should be able to graduate early? Yes, but we talk about this often at school because I'm involved in these conversations a lot. People always want their kids to skip. Um, and what we talk about is like the social emotional aspect of learning. Like you could be a genius. That's great. But I would not be comfortable putting a 14 year old girl or boy in with seniors. Um, I think there is a way to do it. So she obviously is very smart. Um, so she can do that work and she can get the social emotional elsewhere through activities um, of their choice. But I think sometimes people just want like, I don't know if they think that looks cool or, or whatever the case may be, but it's like my kids get X amount of grades and now they're the youngest in their class. Like that's not healthy. And the larger, the more grades you skip, in my opinion, the worse that social emotional gap can be. Because if you got a 14-year-old in classes with a eight, 18 and 19-year-olds, what they're talking about, what their focuses are, are very different from what freshmen are discussing. Mm. And so mm -hmm. I'm really um, adamant about making sure people don't forget that piece of it. I think it's always like, oh, they're super smart and like y'all trying to hold them back. And it's like, no, that's not the case. It's just that. I care about them overall as a human and not just their academic. You got, I always tell people, you got, your child has their whole life to be smart. They got a finite amount of time with you to, for you to prepare them. So you don't always have to do that. There's other ways to navigate that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I agree in some ways, in some ways, um, you know, I taught in two two uh, multiple environments. Some of we'll get into maybe some of the community projects that I work in that are multi generational. But the two formal or three formal education environments that I uh, that I taught in the classroom was was at Morgan Park, North uh, Lawndale College Prep on the west side, and then High Jump, which I focused on leadership. And that program was all geared towards preparing people to take the sort of leap or the quantum leap into going into different environments, boarding schools, selective enrollment schools, mm -hmm. um, private schools, right, around the city of Chicago. I, I personally think that 
intellectually, um, hey man, I, I want I don't have any children, but I would want my children to be moving at the speed that they're going to be moving at. I, I kind of resonate with what Jeremy said in terms of uh, boredom and then academic achievement. And uh, I remember uh, going to one of my elementary schools and or one of the schools and being in certain atmospheres in which uh, intellectually I had you know, I was catching things and grabbing things and then me consciously putting on the brakes so that I can stay socially included, right? And that became a learned habit for me, right? And it took me, I, I would say, to come to conscious awareness that I was uh, sometimes putting on the brakes so that I could feel safe in, in my social atmospheres and circles. Um, it took me about 10 years to consciously get out of that, right? Like I had to work on that belief system of holding myself back and things like that. Now, on the other caveat where I agree is that there are there are certain developmental um, periods of life, right, <laughs> that are going to happen at biological points, right? And 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 this high school kid being in a college environment at some point in time or in a working environment <laughs> as a as where they would be in a college environment it's going to need a lot of coaching from, from their community and their parents and things like that. There's going to be a lot of self-reflection um, that will have to be, you know, brought to that young person's awareness. So I don't think it's as much of an individual, you know, when you're putting someone and they are moving into greater environments and they're taking on the rigor of that environment, it's not just an intellectual thing, as you said, right? They are, they can be intellectually capable to take on all the information. Sometimes we're just genetically better than a lot. I mean, like to, to absorb the information and to do the traditional formats of what school is. But then that emotional piece, um, that has its own tools and technology. And I, I will hope that the parents were as intentional with getting that up to speed too. Yeah, I mean, uh, you all have both had some amazing points. Um, I think what what we're discussing kind of like surrounds standardization, right? And, you know, we talk often on, you know, school isn't cookie cutter, right? Like it shouldn't be. And, as, and especially when you have these like academic and social gaps, like we both know kids who were way too grown <laughs> for like their grade level. Like they had real responsibilities. They were just far more mature than everyone else. Mm. Um, and it is a school that is juggling both. They're doing the academic part and the social part. For the most, you know, this is the burden that we put on our educators and the systems. And so when you have a young person <clears throat> such as myself, who like could have gone from third to sixth grade, was I ready to be in sixth grade? I don't know, you know. Um, but <clears throat> because I may not have been prepared in one area. Now I can't challenge myself in the other area. And like you, Craig, I had to kind of learn how to challenge myself because I wasn't getting it in school. And it was like, you know, and it came back to like our discussion we had last week on like study habits and 
mm-hmm. I, I never had to study, you know, <clears throat> until much later in my like academic career. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's just a, an interesting conversation that you know families have to make for themselves. Uh, we both, well, Craig, uh, we have a friend whose daughter has skipped a couple times, right? And uh, I mean, she seems to be a you know very well-rounded young lady, and uh, you know, it's work. It look it looks like it's working out for her, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but I don't know. If it will, to Nate's point, if it's going to work out for every kid, right? Um, I'm for, yeah, I, I'm for it, man. You know, in the classroom, this I don't personally think that a lot of the differentiation work works. You know, like having trying to teach to multiple levels in the classroom, and then that that is a tension point. I mean, it works sometimes. It does work for social issues social interactions and social structures and things like that um but but when i think about the fact that um our our young people are not just um and i don't like to use the word competition you know i'm a collaborative person but you will just say they're gonna have to collaborate with people across the globe right and we and we deal with uh, uh, information age experiential age or transformational age right uh, where the value is being created by knowledge exchange and culture exchange and all these different things. I just want us to put, you. Uh, it can be standardized, right? Because everyone has this, their unique genius. And, and I think that, um, you know, one part of it is aptitude and the other part is attitude. You're talking about social, emotional. Um, I want to give young, as many young people to go twice quicker, faster, stronger than I am. So I'm like, yo, I, I need you to go into that environment. And and it might mean trusting, right, um, those environments that they can handle, one, that, that you won't be around. So there's a level of, like, letting go that you got to do. Um, and two, you know, appropriately picking the environments that they go into. Because just because you live, you leave, you know, you can enter into a new high school doesn't mean that every high school that you you can put your child in is the right cultural fit for that student, right? Um, and so, and I, and I think culture over sort of like strategy or information being put into someone overrides everything, right? Like if it's a, if it's a bad cultural space for that individual, no matter what the great information that's coming in or the opportunity that's coming in, then they're not gonna maximize it. So Murray. I didn't know you went to Murray only for seven and eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't. You, had, you had a decided advantage of going, disadvantage of going at a language academy when everybody's been teaching, taking their second language. Yeah. Like you only get, <laughs> and I only got two years. And four semesters of languages. <laughs> right. Catch up. They've been preschoolers, you know, learning Spanish, learning Japanese, and all that other stuff. So I shout out to Ms. Reyes, my first. A uh, Spanish teacher who was uh, patient with me, not saying "inye," not "inye" or whatever, you know, going back and forth with my bad pronunciation of Spanish. I'm still doing work with the uh, Latin Latinx community with the Multicultural Latin, uh, Leadership Academy. But if I never gone to Murray, right? If I never struggled and still struggle a little bit with the language, I'm not fluent, but I read it very well. Um, 
Murray is situated in High Park. Now, and at that time, it was Black High Park. <laughs> you know, talking about the environment, the experiences, and the expectations. Um, I've, I've been blessed to go to master schools. I tell that all the time. Like um, where uh, Reverend Derek B. Wells at Christ Universal Tim is a master school. We had like Les Brown. We had like Captain Ponder. We had Wayne Dyer. We had Deepak Chopra. I've been watching those cats since I've been like, you know, two years old, right? So I've been been glad to be like, have that level of expectation in terms of someone who wants to set the stage for great learning. And I think at Murray and at Peary and at Mount Carmel, they all had great cultures of learning. And in in High Park, right, which is situated by the University of um, Chicago, if anybody knows the history of Chicago and knows how the University of Chicago has you has like this master plan for High Park and Woodlawn and thing to be situated in that and to come from the south side of Chicago and there's a multicultural place and there's professors walking around there's the black chess players and and the students had so much more freedom at the time right they just had they because you living in like a little metropolis metropolis of its own right it's only a city in the city right. Um, and so those students, you know, um, King is over there. You know, I, I'll count King in the in the in the vicinity, right? Yeah, come on, you know, but you know, you had yeah, you had you know, you had Ray, you had what's the St. Thomas, you had the other school game. My boy Kip went to. Uh, I'm gonna call it. It's right off of Drexel. Y'all know that school over there on Drexel. Um, starts with it, huh? Oh, you talking what? about the one? The one next to King? No, it's kind of it's kind of North High Park. North Kenwood Oakland Charter School. But Kenwood is over there. That's offensive. No, I'm just saying. Or Ancona's over there, right? Like it has its own thing. That was that wasn't the school. Uh, I apologize, apologize, Kip, for not remembering your school. But you know, um, that had its own thing, right? Like that is where like, R. Kelly was around. <laughs> I, I grew up, y'all, when R. Kelly was come popping up at the uh, at the McDonald's that used to be on 53rd. It's no longer there. The gas station oh, is no gone? longer there. Yeah, like all of those high What's rises. there? No, 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 no. Not that McDonald's now. No, not that McDonald's. It's right? an so old McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah. old McDonald's. Yeah, that McDonald's pretty new. Yeah, that's a new. Yeah. That's a newer McDonald's, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. They but, Kills had to. They got the. They Murray had, he had to tear down the McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All evidence of Kills. No, <laughs> no. Um, but Murray didn't have that park in front of it. You know, the portions of the green space, like that entire economic corridor, is different. Not that it wasn't vital before. It was vital before. Um. But that's that's his own interesting. Maybe we could circle around about it. But Murray being there was pivotal, you know. Okay, and um, I think this is important, right? As somebody who, uh, well, we share a godson, right? Right. And I too have a master plan for his like educational maturation, mm. and I want him to go to Mount Carmel. Right, I've seen um, a lot of good brothers, um, both historically and contemporaneously, from Mount Carmel, and uh, knowing him, I think that would be a a good institution for him. But my question to you is, why Mount Carmel? Could it, in the in the uh, in the words of uh, what's the brothers, 
the Knuckleheads podcast. Could have been anybody else other than my Carmel. Could you could have went to high school. The, could you have gone to another school? The, the, any other school? school? the any other school would have been with me young, right? Mm. And to be honest with you, Corey got in. I didn't get out. Get I did not get in because of the mindset of not showing up, right? So we had a mentor who recommended Mount Carmel. Uh, shout out to Wendell Pete, who's an alum of Mount Carmel, right? Most of the time, only time people recommend Mount Carmel. Um, but I, but I, I had this thing, you know, uh, this resistance to fake tests. I've always had this sort of like resistance towards, um, is this a real thing? You know, and, you know, education has its processes, right? So, um, you know, entrance exams and stuff like that, I always knew I was intelligent. I couldn't understand why I needed to take an entrance exam, right? <laughs> you know, Um and that was a battle that I was probably couldn't fight, but like certain forks in a row. And what I gained from Mount Carmel, I I couldn't have gained anywhere else. So I'm I'm glad you're talking, thinking about your um your, your godson. So you walk into Mount Carmel, y'all. Let me give y'all the Mount Carmel story, right? Because um you walk in and there's a sign. You come in as a boy, right? Mm-hmm. And if and the phrase I didn't remember until like recently, if you work at it. Right, you will leave as a man. Right, that's a that's a whole little thing. Now I got a whole mm. metaphysical thing about manifestation and all these other things. But just because you age does not mean that you move into the full masculine or uh, you move into the generative space of the sovereign, right, uh, or whatever. And just because you do that, and so I would say that my karma talking about culture, right. You know, all cultures are determined by behaviors, um, symbols, and systems, right? And I walked into a space that had knew their culture, right? Um, to, how to demonstrate how they wanted the values to be lived for over 100 years. I think I was around there. So when I'm coming in uh, to, to talk about some of the football players, because they had a culture of excellence, of course, when it comes to sports, Simeon Rice was leaving. He was a, he was a freshman at U of I. Donovan McNabb and Antoine Walker were two years above me. And I'm sure there are many, many other people. Joe, the Williams brothers. Joe Williams went on to get Olympic gold and stuff like that. So you're walking in, and even your sort of intramurals teams, people who don't even make the other teams, are stacked with all athletes and people like that. We have, you know, we have we have boxing at lunchtime, right? <laughs> you know, we have uh, we're gambling, uh, not to give all the si- secrets, y'all. Sorry, my combo, but then you know, we before there was uh, what are these things, these new things that uh, you can get online and kind of bet on their sports? We kind of doing that online gambling, online gambling. We oh, kind of doing gambling. that. We kind of do, we have we have we have par- we have parlays with the teachers, bro. <laughs> we sometimes with the grades, you know, um. You know, and so my karma, you know, it was a, it was a man, it was a worldly space on its own. I, I'll say that, right? And, you know, the thing about, especially when it comes to women's leadership, if you do the research that when women go to school by themselves, they turn out to usually develop more of a leadership presence because they, they learn their voice and their own self-direction a lot earlier. So if you see them like in high school or college and things like that, I- you know, you just you just see it, and what you I, are 
Speaking my language as a Maria alum, I tell people that all the time when they're like, ew, you went to all girls school. I'm like, best four years of my life. Like I <laughs> turned into, I really grew in that four years mainly because boys weren't around. So you really have the opportunity to just dig into yourself and who you are. And they give you that, like they, they talk about that. They give you the tools. You're reading books about it. It's like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So sorry, but. Yeah, no, no, no. You have to jump in. I mean, from the ethics, from the spirituality, from all of those things. Now, I, my karma is rough. I tell people you you come in, it's sort of like Spartan education, right? Um, there was a racial component that I dealt with, right? First time I'm uh, not uh, not in the majority. Murray had, you know, everybody, but we were still the majority at that time. Black folks were the majority, right? And so um, the reversal is true there. And uh, I think that was the fir first place where I learned the value of world jumping. So I wanted to say for everyone listening, um, I am also on the board of OAC, as it is uh, affectionately referred to. And... I have found like, so it just kind of came out organically. Like I'm sitting at the coffee shop, I'm listening into the conversations and the decisions that are being made at different events and stuff. And like, I'm like, huh, I see opportunities for like young people. That's, that's kind of how it started. Like, oh man, some young people could benefit from like seeing this, hearing this, coming to this and all this kind of thing. And, you know, the work that I've done with OAC has kind of like brought me here because I have like been an a representative, right? Not the only educator, um, but kind of from like an industry, you know, perspective, like been that voice in a lot of rooms. And so, you know, we've, you know, we work with OAC, we've done some things with NOMA, you know, with mm -hmm. INOMA, the Illinois uh, chapter of the National Organization of Minority Architects. And like, I'm like <laughs> in these room with folks that they architects and, and uh, engineers. And I'm like, oh, I like I run youth programs, you know, but having that perspective um, and kind of bringing those resources back to the community. Right. Um, that is kind of how everyday educators grew because I learned that, you know, everyone is a designer. So everyone is a designer, right? Mm -hmm. um, and through that lens, I also realized that everyone's an educator, right? So we have our in-class educators, you know, traditional teachers, administrators and things. Um, we have our community educators, you know, our professionals who kind of work within the build environment, which we're gonna to touch on. Um, we have our at-home educators, so, you know, mom and dad, grandma, auntie, grandparents, um, and then we also have our future educators, which are, you know, our young people, and so um, I just kind of wanted to, like, highlight, like, that uh, that 360 view, like, kind of where it started and, like, how we could kind of connect through all these different spaces and systems, um, and so to kind of land the plane um 
you are a social impact designer, right? Mm. And so I want to ask you one, like, what does that mean? And also, what does it mean when you say the built environment? Okay. Who that's a to land this 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 plane, this three hundred sixty <laughs> degree weaving. So uh, I I like to mention names because I always feel like at whatever space that I am entering or happen to play in or whatever, I'm still a student, right? I'm still learning from everyone in the environment. So uh, Erica Allen of the Urban Growers Collective, she likes to sometimes say, whisper in my ear and say, you're a weaver, right? <laughs> you, 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 you're a weaver. Um, she likes to also remind us of our Eurobic, uh, Euroba uh, sort of EBA, right? EBJ, whatever, I'm, if I'm pronouncing it right, of uh, life and death or opening doorways and stuff like that. Uh, uh, and so... Social impact design. Well, again, I, I, my father at, was a sociologist, right? So let's get to the social impact part. He worked over in Inglewood. He um, made his transition early. I think uh, uh, part of that was health. The reason why he made his transition was health, right? And so uh, at a very young age, I grew up thinking about uh, response, the, response, the equation of responsibility and health, right? And all these social determinants, all these social factors. Um, one, because of the books that he left behind and all that other stuff. And so um, I think there's a difference between influence, impact, right? I think what is felt, right? Um, I can intend certain things too. Um, impressing people is from far away. And so I like to get up close. I practiced judo when I was <laughs> growing up and did kung fu and stuff like that. And so I love the thing of touch, right? Like I, I feel like how people touch by your work. And we shared one time, Jeremy and Nay, I'm talking about teaching people, feeding people, um, housing people, healing people, all those other things. Like I, I tell people first that the real social impact is that um, I have a spiritual mission first, right? Like, I, and I don't go into the details of that, but you know, I'm supposed to reveal all the aspects of being um, the child of God or image and likeness of God, right? And it's various factors as a human being it's in this 3D space, right? Because, you you know, we are multidimensional creatures, right? So um, the impact on this thing is like, if, I, if, if, if we're going to be here, I like Confucius. Confucius talks about, I'm not going to get the line right. But it is like if you want to build for generations, right, you, you don't plant trees, you don't plant rice, you teach children, right? Um, and, and so I'm very intentional about multi-generation because there's no age and spirit. And, you know, the, the, the grandma down the street is just as youthful as the, the baby coming out of the womb, right, on a, on a soul level. So there's like an educational piece that has to happen to that child. Right. You know, and then for the young person, because I'm not going to be unless I that mountaintop, I'm not going to be in this physical form uh, for the, you know, all those times. And so I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I can touch or impact people in a way that the flame that was passed on to me can be passed on to them and it can multiply and it can grow. 
And then all of a sudden we're living living in this this um this world that's filled with light, right? In the fullness thereof, you know, that's so it's full, right? Mm-hmm. Um and, and a part of the I think our work is about revealing that things can be can be done in a more uh, uh impactful and um so regardless of the tool, right? We'll go back to the bill environment or the outcome, because that might be the outcome. Um, moment to moment, relationally, I'm always trying to do one thing is like point to the individual's power, their own individual power, and that they are shaped, they are the masters of their fate, and they can shape that reality, how it shows up for them, right? The same will come true into the built environment. Um, now, we'll take Chicago as a case study, so to speak, right? The I remember the sort of mindset shift that happened in within Chicago when you know, uh, Barack Obama became president. I remember all of the people descending to, uh, 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 was it Grant Park or Millennium Park? One of those parks, right? It was Millennium and Park. Millennium Park, right? Um, yes, we can. That sort of like event, right? And systems change, you go from event to behaviors, to structures, to mindsets, right? So for one time, point in time, there was this event of collectiveness uh, in the city of Chicago and, you know, all the potential that could be, right? Also, behaviorally, that was the first time that I felt that I can move into certain neighborhoods in Chicago that had traditionally been segregated by the built environment. Bridgeport, through Archiworks, I had classes over there. Uh, 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 South Lounge. Right. With traditionally Latino, some of the gang stuff and all this other stuff, you know, it's a power in moving past the borders and boundaries that other folks set for you. But most of the time, Chicago is segregated through the built environment. Streets, neighborhoods are divided by certain street boundaries. Then you have the river. Then you have the overpasses. Uh, all of those different things. And, and then you have your, your economic corridors where things are um, not showing up as vital and vibrant as they used to in certain neighborhoods. And so in terms of that work, when I say, oh, I want the world to be better, what scale can I be in? Well, I can take the city of Chicago as a laboratory, right? We can take our individual selves as a laboratory. We can take the state of Illinois as a laboratory. We can take the United States is a laboratory. We can take the globe as a laboratory. All those, all those different things and, and rates of change. Um, and, and in reality, you know, you're kind of repeating the same process. In, in my mind, I feel like we're repeating the same process, right? Um, that's why I don't really get confused by hopping through different systems and can, and, and can kind of bring those things together. Um, but we as citizens don't know that our tax dollars and that we should have a voice in the way our built environment looks, feels, and performs for us, right? And so, you know, we think that our civic duty is over when we are, we vote, if we vote, right? We don't know that we should have a relationship with our alderman. We don't know that we should have, when the planner, the urban planner that you said is only 5% of us, we don't know that we should show up to those meetings and give that input. Like it's a, um, you know, when the park district or the forest preserve or uh, CDOT, the City of Department of Transportation or the City Department of Planning asked for community members to show up, we should show up. Um, but where OAC fits in that is that 
we help people show up with a plan, right? Because it's one thing to show up with your critique, and it's another thing to show up with a plan and a purpose and, and, and a pathway, right? Um, there's a different type of power with with our verses to come with uh, victimhood, you know? You talk about the gift, right? Like the hero's journey, you come and you mm. leave with the gift, right? And I want everyone, you know, to to understand that they belong in this space, right? Mm. Um, if I have learned nothing, um, it was to be like how how needed I am in having these conversations about the built environment, about our streets, about our neighborhoods, um, and also like just the opportunities you know, like these other institutions, they, you know, kind of operate sometimes in an echo chamber, right? And they don't even know that they need you because they never had you, right? And then when an educator shows up and it's like, oh, you're right. We could make this one small change and like open up this whole other wave of, of revenue, of, of representation, of marketing, of participation, and, you know, all these different things. Um, so, yeah. So I thank you, Craig, for kind of uh, personally and professionally kind of like, you know, leading the charge in, in that way, right? Um, so last question. Okay. And you are one of the few people that Nay and I come across who I could confidently say reads more than us. <laughs> what is, to the best of your ability, you know? What yeah, is, narrow down, yeah, right? Yes. Hey, narrow so, down. what is the greatest book you've ever read? And what is the last book that you read? Oh, what's the, what's the greatest book that I've ever read? And what is... Um, hmm... Man, you know how I like to turn questions like that. I'm gonna I'm a try to be, I'm gonna try to follow your directions because sometimes I, I like, you know, the, cre the creative part. Um, so, the greatest book that I've read. Um, all right. Ooh, dang. The greatest book that I've read. That's a hard. That's a hard one because I think I get books at certain stages of life. So I'm gonna talk about a stage of life where I got a real education. I read the um, the Bhagavad Gita, the BG as I've as I've affectionately call it. Right, you know, it's the one of the source texts for Hinduism, and it starts off. Um, it's the book about karma yoga, right? Um, it's where sort of the instructions of karma to, to the best that I'm explaining y'all, if you, you know, if you come from that space and you know how to tell them more, yeah, forgive yeah, yeah. me, right? We're not experts but for, <laughs> but where, where, where it helped me was, is that, um, the setting of talking about the hero's journey, I think we are all, you know, heroes and leaders and, and educators in our own life. Right. Um, it starts off with Krishna, who's comparatively like uh jesus or the christ in our experience or the buddha right and he's teaching it's a book of instruction to his student arjuna a-j-u-n-a if i'm pronouncing that right right and they're they're about to the setting takes off where they have to battle 
their family members, right, in the community before the kingdom, right? And uh, Ajuna starts off in a depressed state, right? Um, because anytime you're going to go, you're going to try to start shaping your reality, there's going to be some threshold. And the people who show up a lot of times that are against you, not to talk about anyone's family matters, is that you're just breaking out of a mindset and they reflect in the mindset that who you are. So he talked, this entire book is about consciousness. He said, like, look, man, you know, the people around you are just playing the role. It's a great book on forgiveness, too. They're just playing the roles that uh, the divine has told them to play. Right. So everybody that's around you is playing their own role and they have to play it and they can't do anything but play it. But you. Right. Because you have this knowledge. Got to do what God sent you to do, which is even to maybe have to take down your cousins, and your family or whatever. Right. Um, sometimes it be that way. Right. But one of my favorite things about this book goes on the various levels of. Of, of looking at people's reality. And one of my favorite lines in that book that I keep in there is like, hey, you even, you know, we look at homeless people, we look at maybe migrants, we look at all this other stuff, but we look at people who have qualities that some, this, this one quote is about people who we know that they have qualities that are hurting their life. He said, even the gambler, the gambling of the gamblers is a search for me, talking about divinity. Right. So he, he's telling Ajuna, like, hey, man, even them seeking the pleasure and how they're getting it and how destroying their life is their attempt to get to me. Right. And so what. So in that particular place, you know, I, I went through this this extreme case of leading the church through a lawsuit and separation and all this other stuff. I was at one point in time at odds with some of my teachers some of the mentors in my life, some of those other things to, 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 to bring forth um, the next generation or the next wave of expression for, for organization um, that, that I grew up in and, and all those things. And man, it took every ounce of, 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 of uh, spiritual, physical, emotional learning to, for me to lean on to. But that book, um, and several other books at that time around forgiveness and and um, vision and all that other stuff was, was critical. Um, so I actually gave it to I actually gave it to one of our um, our mutual friends when they were going through their divorce experience, right? Because you know uh, what happens when the people that we love turn into the enemy, and can you still love them, and can you still work with them, and, and they're not going away because they're going to be here on the planet, um, and what does it mean to have no enemies, right? That's the one that added the extra layer to the scriptures that I could refer to uh, from my Bible. Um, and then my one of my other books that I read sort of daily, um, um, uh, you know, I, I again, I, I come back to this, this sort of spiritual space or whatever. I'm going to leave two spiritual books just because. You know, if you ever have Corey on here, the black, the black Puma, the Standard Bear, he'll go into the Standard like, Bear. He'll go into the history books and stuff like that. Right, and, right, you know, right. <laughs> I kind of deal with spirit in the future and stuff like that. But the the book You Are Your Own Experience by my MF and Tom Johnson. I I won't curse on here, but that's my dude. And and then um and um uh it works if you work it. I kind of combo that book by um Johnny Coleman, right? Um 
Yo, you know, this thing about, we talk about accountability and responsibility. Yeah, we do. You know? um, now, imagine growing up in a space where it says everything that, everything, everything in, in your life, world, and affairs is a result of your thinking. That's heavy. Right there, <laughs> right. Everything in your body, man. <laughs> you, right you, are, you are spiritual. You are spiritual. You're threefold being: spirit, soul, body, and your body is your life, world, affairs. Not just your physical body. Everything that's showing up. That's how I kind of I go so hard in my physical environment, right? Because uh, it's actually, you know, people don't know my interpersonal relationship. I'm always practicing my spiritual teachings. Like I'm always. Uh, you know, if it was like Rocky, Rocky or Michael J. White or what, what Michael B. Wright, you know, when they in that dirty thing or whatever, no matter how much I'm smiling, I'm in the in the in the dirt and darkness of my own being, you know. Um, and see, and that is why his superhero is the century. <laughs> now, if you all don't know about the century, <laughs> the century is this basically this light being, this this. Super strong, you know, shiny brother. When he come in, it's like he got the glow. <laughs> but behind the door is just the void. It's just the <laughs> all encompassing um, darkness, which I think we all exist in that, you know, duality. Um, you know what, brother? You are one of the foundational pieces to why we're here you know you helped curate a space a a i say the black mecca of chicago an incub- yes an incubator but when we talk about culture right when we yeah. talk about culture um and you know how hard i go protecting that space yeah um but that is because i truly 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 value everything that is given to me and you are one of those things you know i love you you are my brother, um, and you've really helped kind of broaden our horizons and just to see of all all of what could be. Um, and this is a manifestation of your social impact. Um, so I want to thank you. I appreciate that. Y'all first before we go off. Go ahead, man. Yeah, man, because <laughs> I, you know, um, Nay, I don't get a chance to see you physically, but I, I want to thank let you know that I think about you every day. Um, and you all's own thing, and you know, often we don't get a chance to tell people how how um, they educate you, right? Sometimes, I mean, I'm a little bit physically older than you are, right? Spiritually, you know, we we all are infinite, but you know, the fact that you all are jumping out here, you know, the fact that you all have worked together as as collaborators for multiple years since college, right? The fact that you all are determined to keep your relationship open and thriving and connected and in community and building that community. And the fact that you're creating this space, you are, um, you know, I got a, I got a podcast. I didn't, you know, shout that out, but my, uh, MLA podcast. Right. But you all, you know, there was a junction point of like, whether or not I continue to even go forward with that podcast. Right. And you all had your podcast. And so I think it's, one of the things is like I think it's important to archive where we are right now in history. So the fact that you all are creating this space for this, I was like, you know, I had to keep that space open for multicultural leaders, right? Like, uh, and the fact that you all decided to put it on a radio station and and and, and digital radio and get it out there and market it because the Nays 
great marketing genius. He being real quiet, y'all, on the on the thing. I, you know, I am just listening. I haven't heard your voice in <laughs> over a year. I think. I know. I know. See you. So, but but but, but but the great marketing genius of of Nay and getting married and supporting her husband and all these things you see people do like um daily in their lives because of uh you know you you can't live physically all the things that you dream and ideate about right so to see folks live in pieces that you might not have ever even experienced is also inspiring encouraging and refueling so i appreciate y'all I appreciate that you wore the two three on here that we all wearing black red and, 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 and you know and, and got a little drip going on and all the other good stuff and I can't wait to y'all in y'all studios and y'all flying Speak people on out Damn. and y'all on the stage and y'all got the stadiums and all the other stuff I can't wait to when y'all are shaping institutions and things like that y'all just remember the, the world is just catching up. Mm. We appreciate that. Thank you. And see, this is why he black Confucius. You see that? You see that? And uh, I, I, I pray. My prayer is that everyone kind of finds their space where they where they get, you know, spiritually fed, right? And so the coffee shop is one of those spaces. Um, it has definitely kind of, you know. Uh, I don't know. I can't say. It. I want to say nurtured, neutered, nurtured, 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 nurtured. I was like, that's what's like. It's an N word. <laughs> nurtured me, you know, and 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 Naomi as well. Is you know, many other stories. One, how she got to McDonald's. We'll tell that story later. But it is because of the the coffee shop. Um, and brothers like you. And so, and, and definitely, 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 he gonna be on the show soon too. Um, I want to thank you for spending some time with us. I want to thank everyone listening for going on this journey with us. Please remember that everyone is an educator and we educate every day. This is Everyday Educators on 1921radio.com. Please follow us at Everyday Educators on Instagram. You can catch us on the Spill app at Educate Every Day. And if you have any questions or if you or educator you know want to be on the show, please reach out to us at info at educateeveryday.com. We love y'all. Peace. Love y'all, man. Have a great one.